We're getting closer and closer to the Culture Proof Conference 2024, and we could not be more excited. Yes, it's a great time for the whole family, a great time of ministry. Mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, <laughs> everybody, the kids. We have uh, something for them as well. Of course, we have the Culture Proof Kids, Culture Proof Teens. It's going to be led by Maria Hamilton, the third, the third. <laughs> and also Mark and Amy Warren. And so, That's right. man, the kids are going to be equipped, and you can have some great discussions discussion and conversation with them as you head back home. We are so excited. This year's conference is hosted by Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. When registration opens, you will be among the first to know. If you go to cultureproof.net, make sure you join our email list because we are going to blast out open registration to that list first. So go to cultureproof.net. Make sure that you stay connected. We're super excited about our guests who are all joining to talk about one thing, Mm. resistance the cultural trends that rival the truth. We're going to be talking about the ways that we can remain culture-proof from Mm -hmm. scientific apologetics, biblical apologetics, cultural apologetics. How do we live in this world as faithful followers of Christ? We're going to target every age group, so make sure you show up and bring your entire family. Yes, we're going to have a great lineup of speakers, which you'll be able to view their bios on the website, cultureproof.net. Once you go on, Abraham Hamilton III, Miki Addison, we're going to have Dr. Jason Lyle, Dr. Kathy Cook, and others. It's going Dr. To be great. Renton Rathbun, Dr. Lee Brand. We are super excited. Dr. Turin Dames. Mm-hmm. I feel like by next conference, I'm going to also have my doctorate just because <laughs> it kind of flows. Anyway, hey. we're super excited about what the Lord is doing, and we want you to join us. The Culture Proof Conference happening July 18th through the 20th at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. Stay connected because more information about that is rolling out just around the corner. You're going to find that at cultureproof.net, cultureproof.net. Make sure you join the email list. We can't wait. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we are asking the question, when did American churches lose reverence for God? Which that question is a statement, right? Because it actually says that American churches have actually lost reverence for God. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree. I I think because uh, the churches have a lot of times what we see happening is they've gone the way of the culture. Mm. And so when you do that, that's like being of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you lose 
some of the reverence that you have for God. Yeah. You know, so I see, you know, like as you increase in gimmicks and different things Mm. to try to win people that may be relevant and all that kind of stuff. And you want to be cool and you lose some of (laughs) your reverence for God in the process. So, yes. What are the ways that you feel like you have observed in church that it looks like there's a loss of reverence? Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned gimmicks and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm asking this question because I actually, as I was reading the article that um, led to my thinking about this, I was writing down some of the things that I feel like we've done, you know, that has caused, I think, the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is sad, but a lot of it just flows from the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big things is that I, when there's not an understanding what the church uh, is about and who the church is then it's easy to fall into trying to please people so that you can keep them in the church. You know, Mm -hmm. even if they're Mm -hmm. not believers, you adjust certain things. You don't want to offend in this way. Even if it's just the preaching of the word, you don't want to offend. So you'll lighten things up. So I think it kind of starts there, but I think, you know, devaluing the word is a huge part of it. So if I'm, you know, trying to like do these gymnastics to make, you know, things fit and, and, and proper. And I don't want to step on any toes when it's just a straight up scripture. Mm-hmm. Then you run the risk of, you know, having, having your things watered down and, and, and compromising and stuff like that. So I think it, it starts with understanding what the church is, the pillar in the ground of truth Amen. and understanding, you know, that, uh, for a pastor or a leader, like, man, we, we preach the word, yeah. we preach the word. And it's not about, you know, not trying to offend, man, it's the word of God. And, and the thing is, it's going to offend some. That's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. I think, so. I think that you are going to be right at home with this article from John Piper or this, it's a Christian post article written about, um, something that John Piper is saying, and it actually began last year. It was a huge dust up. Um, John Piper, you may remember this. He was commenting on the fact that we have become like a coffee sipping culture mm. in church, that we've lost our reverence for God. Um, and when he tweeted this out, it became such a big deal that it, you know, almost made people upset that uh-huh. he had the audacity to attack their coffee bars. <laughs> and what John Piper was actually doing was not saying that it's the coffee, mm-hmm. but it's the heart that's reflected behind the coffee. And I think to the point that you're making here, um, there have been a lot of antics and anecdotes coming from the pulpit. So in other words, like you've got a lot of pastors who feel more comfortable, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Um, You've got pastors who feel more comfortable leading with the anecdotes, the stories that make the point, um, leading with the antics than with the word of God. And I Mm. think you just touched on this. And I would observe and I would say, based on observation, that when pastors do this, they make themselves primary and they make God secondary. Mm. So in other words, you would say, we want to lead with the antics and lead with the anecdotes. And then what we are saying really is that God is second. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. And it's it's more of a care for uh, maybe reputation and yourself and in the way that your church is uh, seen mm. than for a reverence for God and his word. So, you're, you know, 
know, you're trying to like save face. You're trying to say like, yes, we are Christians. We believe in, you know, the Bible and everything at the same time, but we're not those type of Christians that mm. you may have encountered in the past, you know, that what, what stick to the word. I mm -hmm. mean, so the thing is, you know, I think as the church, we have to uh, just dive into being who God has called for us to be. No, we're not seeking out to be rude or nasty or, you know, mean or anything like that. But the word of God is the word of God. And the, the beauty in it is that we can stand upon that. It's his word. Amen. You know, so if you have people who are visiting your church and uh, they're, they, they're not born again, man, preach the word. It's an opportunity for <laughs> them good. to meet Christ. Yeah. But if we dumb it down and water it down and they keep coming, you're going to have to keep watering it down to keep them. Yeah. You know, because that's yeah. what you won them with in, in certain you know terms. I, I almost feel like that's what has happened. And mm. it's become sort of like an unholy snowball effect yeah. um, that because churches started to popularize making less of God, they started to popularize what the people want. Um, and then other churches, you know, church plants and, and this, you know, church growth strategy. And I know that becomes sort of like a, just a catchphrase, but these things became the examples of what it is to be a healthy and a thriving church. And it seems like most of the examples now, not all of them, right? But it seems like most of the examples of a healthy and thriving church became the example of, you know, we don't want to be overtly Christian. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand that. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to sound self-righteous, but I really, mm. truly don't understand how the Christian church ever believed that in order to be winsome or quote unquote relevant in culture, we needed to be um, the least Christian that we could be and still call ourselves Christian. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, when that is the mindset, I don't want to be overtly Christian or, you know, trying to be winsome, some relevant uh, or whatever. You know, I think I, I can't get away from that has to be, you know, uh, uh, just thinking of what people are going to say, though, you, meaning they don't want to be peculiar. Mm. We don't want to stick out. But that's the whole nature of being in Christ. Yeah. You know, that we will stick out. I mean, in order for those men to say, well, these are the men that turn the world upside down, yeah. they had to be doing something that was different from everybody else. Agreed. You know, uh, in order for, like we talked about before, for Peter and John to be recognized that they had been with Jesus, mm -hmm. like there was something different yeah. about them. Yeah. And so that's a feature of being the church, that we are different, that we are peculiar. And so if you're saying like, no, I'm trying to be relevant, I'm trying to not be overtly, like you're missing the mark, mm -hmm. you know, because that's, it, it's almost impossible to say I'm the church. We're part of the church of the living God, but we're like, we're like the world. Mm. That's not, that can't be true. Yeah. I think one of the problems is that we don't want to embrace the peculiarity. Maybe I didn't say that correctly. I think that was right. Okay. Thank you. We don't want to embrace <laughs> that distinction that is ours because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
we become a different people. And this is not even our doing. Mm. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell the believer and changes us, like transforms us. And so the peculiarity is something that, yes, there's a sanctification process where we grow in godliness, but there was an instantaneous change that happens in the life of the believer that I think we've rejected Mm. um, because we're still living in this world. You know what I mean? And then we've also, we've got people that we respect and people who have large followings Mm. who also say, that we should make less of that change. Now mm. we will we will call our churches transformation, but we don't want. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not fair. Whoa. I'm just saying. <laughs> or insert whatever action <laughs> verb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but that, that, that's that's the thing, you know, God has called us to be different, you know, and when we look at the scriptures, you know, like from front to back, like God's people were distinct. They were like different. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? He called them out and he gave them these commands and these laws and because they were supposed to be different from all the nations around Amen. them. And when they dabbled into being like these other nations, God judged. He was yeah. like, hold on. No, you are, you know, a set apart people, yeah. you know, but you're doing like what the heathens do. And I so, think, we, you know, we that's not, that, from the beginning, that's been our lot. You know, man, it's so true. <laughs> I, I think that whenever we don't value um, the distinction that we have in Christ is the moment that we start to incline our, you know, attention or our affection toward the other gods, if you will, mm. you know, the worship mm. of other things, because mm. we've not valued that we are the called out ones. So in saying all of that and kind of just thinking that through, um, maybe that's the backdrop for how we filter this this article here that I read. Um, this is over at the Christian Post. It's John Piper lists five ways churches can move away from casual coffee sipping culture. And that's something that really grabs my attention. And the thing that I love about this, now some people took issue. Well, I love coffee. (laughs) I love coffee. But I think that rightly, and you know, there are some things over the years, you know, John Piper, you know, has said that I've thought, "Mm," it seemed like he was kind of getting a little bit um, woke in some of his communication. So I don't agree with everything. I, we want to be able to discern, um, but there, I, I don't have a problem with the coffee sipping culture that John Piper is calling out. And let me tell you why, because it's not people drinking coffee in mm. the sanctuary that he has a problem with. Mm-hmm. It's what that means. Right. It's, it's the implication behind that. And I think he makes a really good case for this. So let me just read this article mm-hmm. here. Um, and I do love coffee. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm sipping coffee right now. <laughs> right. Um, but can I tell you that the idea of the heart behind the coffee sipping culture of church, um, I think I think John Piper accurately pegs this, and, mm. and I want to unpack it. Um, so getting to this Christian Post article, it reads this way, noted theologian and author John Piper has listed five ways that he believes congregations can move away from what he describes as a casual coffee sipping church culture. And then he adds more context to this. Um, In an episode of Ask Pastor John posted on the Desiring God website, um, Piper spoke about the need for, quote, reverence and awe when Mm. gathering together in worship. Let me just pause for a second there. So the point of the coffee sipping culture call out, okay, Mm -hmm. is not the coffee. It's the casual approach of like, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's just God. Mm. Right. Like it's just it's just a time of worship. Yeah. Maybe I should say he's just God. Um, But you know what I mean? It's just church. This idea of like, hey, how you doing? And and like, 
no yeah. one comes in with the expectation that we have gathered together um, and the Lord is present. And it's, it's crazy because I feel like that's the feel that a lot of these churches are going for. That, mm-hmm. no, man, there's no, there's no pressure here. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, and it's crazy because you can have a, a robust, you know, teaching of the word and, and a seriousness and a reverence for God and still have the love and like the, you know, yes. hey, man, everybody, you know, like we want to hug you and love you and stuff like that. But it seems like they feel like it has to be kind of void. Like you have to kind of hush some of that, yeah. you know, in order to be welcoming. Yeah. Or, or that, that if you, if you are, if you are reverent, it seems like you are too saved. Like yeah. you're too safe for this. Like we want to just kick it, you know? Right, and, right, right, right. And, oh man, that just, I don't know. I don't, anyway, we can continue on. Wow. There's something about that, that really grates on me. <laughs> and the reason it does is because I believe that God is worthy. Mm. I, I believe that he deserves honor and reverence and awe. Mm. Now, I don't think that we should, um, just kind of make these jumps or these claims that we've got the corner market on what awe and reverence looks like. But I do believe that what we have seen these days coming from the local church has not been the preservation of the awe and the wonder that should be among God's people. Um, And so basically what John Piper is saying, and I love this, he says he, he, um, the, the church, he's wanting to shape a church with a, um, a reverential vibe. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny yeah i mean i, I feel like that's even a little bit that, sarcastic it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the the usage of the word vibe, vibe is like yeah. it's like relevant in itself for sure and i think that's so intentional that's i i think i think knowing john piper vibe that's, you know that's <laughs> knowing john piper um mm. what i've read of him and heard of him in his teaching and even reading his sermons because he archives his sermons but i've, I've read a few of them um it just seems to me that that's intentional. The reverential <laughs> vibe. We need to we need to maintain a reverential wow, okay. vibe. <laughs> Which I can like I say, it. John Piper? Can I say that that's a T-shirt? Can I take that? <laughs> right. <laughs> can we? Can, can yeah. we? How about that vibe? Did you the reverential reverential vibe? vibe. <laughs> anyway, wow. I don't on its own like the word vibe. I feel like it's overused and sometimes gets mistaken for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I think it means like it's shut for like vibrations or something. Like, you know, like right. that, that's one of those new, new age. New age. <laughs> anyway. right. But I got, you yeah, know, right. I think yeah. what he's yeah, saying. I okay. Think, yeah, it's funny. So getting back to the article here, John Piper says, um, quote, I argued last time that sipping coffee and the holiest hour of congregational worship does not fit with the reverence and awe that Hebrews 12, 28 calls for. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Hmm. Hebrews says. He goes, but I argued that sipping coffee is not the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is that people and leaders don't have a heart that resonates with what I mean by reverence and awe. Mm. Okay. So in other words, people were more captured by John Piper coming for their coffee than they were willing to wrestle with reverence and awe. And I would say that that exemplifies where the local church is today. Hmm. Um, in large measure. Now, look, not everywhere right. and, and not in every circumstance at right. all, at all. Right. But I do believe that he's hitting on something. And in fact, the reason that that tweet last year, near the end of last year, had like over two million views and, and, and shares and interactions mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of that is because I think he struck at something mm. that's become, excuse this expression, especially when talking about church, but it's become a sacred cow. It's become <laughs> something that you cannot do not touch right. this. And this is not necessarily the coffee. Mm-hmm. It's the feel 
of the church mm-hmm. today, right? That it's got to be hip, that you've got to walk in with your latte, but it's not the latte. It's that the latte says something mm. about the vibe that we're going for yes. in this church. Yeah, definitely. And it's intentional. That's That stuff has, it's almost like marketing type mm-hmm. thing to try to have a church that feels a certain type of way. You know, and I say, woe to those pastors that do it for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, nothing's wrong with your coffee. Nothing, nothing's wrong with having, but if that heart behind it is one of a lack of reverence man i think it's a great point that he's making yeah. he's not attacking the coffee but no. it's the heart the behind, heart behind why coffee. you're doing that and if it's to like soften the blow mm-hmm. you know we want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable man jesus didn't make sure everyone felt comfortable like he, some of the things he's a lot of the things he said was just like hey the truth and he was like man look this is the, this is what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, even in following him, you know, people like, hey, can I bury my father? And this like, it was like some that stuff was hard. Yeah. You know, and so we want to soften the blow blow more than Jesus did. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that Jesus is obviously he is the greatest example of a teacher. I mean, and that's I'm not profound yeah. in saying that like that, you know, without contest. But I think also what gets missed about the way Jesus taught um, is that he was also, I would describe him as like the greatest sit with this teacher ever. You know what I mean? Like the teachers who are just like, will say something and then they don't immediately jump in to rescue you from wrestling mm. with what they have just said. They just say, hey, no, it's sit with that. Like, think about that. Right. Man, Jesus did that. You yeah. know, think about John chapter six, where he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And right. these disciples that are following after him, they've just enjoyed these incredible po'boys, you know, fish and bread, <laughs> right? They're they're doing really well. And then he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they go away so disappointed because they're like, man, these this is a hard saying. Who can bear this? Mm. Jesus is the sit with it teacher, right? Yeah. Because the disciples, he turns to them and he's like, do you guys want to go too?" Right. <laughs> In other words, he doesn't go chasing after the people who are offended by what he has said that's difficult to bear. Mm. He's like, they're going to have to sit with that. Mm-hmm. Like you go, you go and wrestle with what I've just said to you. And not only that, man, counter church culture today not only does jesus not go after the ones who leave Mm. because what he says is hard but he turns to those who remain and and he says do you want to go too Mm. (laughs) like do you also want to go right and it's peter who's like where else are we gonna go right and you know i'm gonna get to the points here because john piper actually makes the point that when you start to shift church culture back to the awe and the reverence he says that you're gonna have people who are gonna leave because of that but you'll have people who will stay and many who will come because reverence and awe has been returned mm, amen amen i mean I, I i totally agree with that i think people who are definitely hungry and desire truth you know they will stay and you would have people who are hungry who will come and say man this is what i'm this looking, is what for. I've been looking for I, I, I don't want the fluff or just you know the downplaying of who you know god is and stuff like that man i want the 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 teaching you know i want the meat of the word that you have people who are starving out there they're like part of uh certain churches where they're like man i I just can't continue to endure this i need something more we see it all the time so the thing is you know i I think he's right if you restore that reverence Mm -hmm. man it's going to be greater yeah amen You you know one of the points that he makes is that understanding reverence and awe well one, that there's a lack of understanding reverence and all. He would say in this article here that they're just words. 
to the people and to the leaders that reverence and awe, they just become words that we say, but our heart is not, and even our mind is not really attached to what those words mean. So mm. I think that's tragic. And I think it also is represented in our churches today. So he lists five ways that we can move away from this casual coffee sipping culture. Mm. I, I like that, right? Maybe it's maybe it's the alliteration in it that feels kind of, you know, <clears throat> that feels kind of catchy. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't want catchy. Piper would say, and that's the problem. See? There you go. <laughs> anyway, woe is me. Here we go. Uh, Piper, who is mm -hmm. chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, said that a possible way forward for pastors uh, to lead the church gradually away from the atmosphere or of the casual chipper, coffee-sipping, entertainment-oriented gathering. <laughs> Man, that's such... All of that so accurately <laughs> describes where we are. Okay, to a more seriously joyful... Mm. Notice that there's not the absence of joy. Right. To a more <laughs> right. seriously joyful, reverent, deeply satisfying encounter with God begins with, number one, he urged pastors to rivet the people's attention on the Bible. Come on. Rivet the people's attention on the Bible. He said, the way you handle the Bible, make sure that it glorifies God. Or let me go back. He says that the way you handle the Bible and the glories you see in it will bring about this kind of congregation. Some people will leave the church because you orient the church in this way, paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. um, he says it's too frightening and threatening to submit to the Bible like this, but <laughs> others are hungry for this and mm -hmm. they're going to come. That's, right. That's number one. That's right. Rivet people's attention on the Bible. I agree. I would say amen. That's where you start because you give them a reverence for the word. Mm -hmm. Man, that, that's where everything starts because they see God for who he is and that it, there's a reverence for God. Yeah. You know, if we revere uh, what he has said and for us to carry out for how, how we should live. And so you have to start with the basis of the straight edge of scripture. Amen. I mean, too often, let's think about the videos that get shared. I mean, they're so personality driven, right? Like the, the pastors are so heavy on personality yeah. and people love what they say yeah. and not what God's word says. And so even you find that the pastors are able to read one line and then preach the rest of their sermon without ever turning back to the word of God. Right, right. You're like, wait, no, first of all, context. Right. Second of all, context. Third of all, context. Like, what are you talking about? And, right. and how do I know that the scripture you just used should be used for all of the points that you've made? I mean, look, yeah. I marvel at yeah. your seven points from one line, but my goodness, can we have some background from scripture? Can we have some foreground from scripture? Mm. Can we have context of things that tell us that you are showing integrity in the teaching of God's word? All yeah. of that is important, but people have to be trained to even want that to even expect that. So right, right. anyway, uh, way number two forward, Pastor Piper says, was for pastors to make the glory of God and all that he is for us in Jesus, the main reality people sense over years as they hear you preach week in and week out. Mm. So the glory of God, the weightiness of who God is, um, that that needs to be central to the way pastors teach. Amen. Amen. You have to, we have to show uh, who God is, you know, 
and and the focus should be on God and you know on on Jesus and what He's done, and it shouldn't be all emotionalism. Mm-hmm. All and I say all because there are emotions yeah, that are a, a part of that. But man, it should be on the, the solid Word of God first, and then on God who on who He is. You mm-hmm. know, so I definitely agree with number one and number two. I think yes. I love this. He follows up with uh, God is the primary reality. Help your people to see this and feel this that God relates to everything in their lives all the time as the main thing. He's the main thing in their lives. Man, that's that's really hard for um, the popular pastor today because he rests so much on his popularity. Right. He's the main thing. He's the main thing. (laughs) He's the draw. People are here for me. Mm -hmm. And and I want to say something. He cannot be that person if the people don't put him there. Come on. So there's also a deficit in the people. Like if you're like, well, I ain't going if pastor's not preaching. So you say the power is not in the word of God. It's in the preacher. Man. So you say, well, do we have a stand in? Is there somebody, is there some, like, almost like it's a play and (sighs) and the understudy, you know what I mean? Is going to have to step in, but where is the power? The power is in the word of God. Mm. Like, you know, we don't think about these things, but we feel them. And so we actually empower and we elevate personality and the way we express how we feel about God's word. Wow. Is it sufficient or is it just the Yeah, man? and I think that's one of the ways, you know, you, you mentioned about the, the pastor, like he thinks he's the main thing. You know, <laughs> that's one of the things that has caused the church to be so weakened, you know, because of the celebrity mentality. Yeah. And like you said, it's, the, it's a lot of times it's the people that have placed them in this light, you know, and it makes it hard for a pastor. You know, all the people are like, we want to hear from you. It's almost like, you know, they become like Herod. Oh, oh my man. goodness. It's like e. feeling like they're the great, great, great voice from God or whatever it is, you know. And it's like, man, that, that's a wrestling. But I think that causes there to be, you know, this skewed view of who the pastor is. Instead of him being the chief servant, oh, he's the, yeah. the celebrity. Yeah, the CEO. Yes. All right. Here's the third way that Pastor Piper said um, pastors can move forward. He said, quote, make sure that the ugliness of the disease of sin in us and in the world mm. and the fury of the wrath of God against that disease wow. are felt by your people. That's not comfortable. Ooh. That cuts against, you know, the, the church that's trying to be, you know, uh, relevant or have this type of vibe, you know, <laughs> like like really preaching that. Yeah. It's almost like it's like almost like a no-no in that church. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we can't do that, you know, because you're going to run people away. They're going to be scared. They're gonna... But, man, that's the reality of sin. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of where we are without Christ. And in order for them to come to Christ, they have to know the bad news. Yeah, man, you the know? reason that doesn't work in churches like that is because we lead with an invitation to belong. Ooh. Come belong. We don't lead with an invitation to believe, right? That's what, I mean, that's what, that's how we lead. That's how we order it. And so when you order the invitation in that way, there's no room to lead with sin, with our condition, Mm. right? I mean, if you're telling people come and belong, then, you you know, the fine print becomes that you're a sinner. That's the fine print. You know what I mean? But the big billboard, the headlights are come and be a part of a family. Yeah. Come and join this great social club. Come and come and look. The billboards all say, y'all, some of the church billboards across the country, we travel on the road a lot. <laughs> some of the church billboards, some <clears throat> some of them look like, <laughs> like holy nightclub billboards. 
You know what I mean? They don't say this, but this is what crosses my mind. Sometimes you see them, it's like, man, it's on and popping over here. <laughs> you got to get here at 10 a.m. This is the best um, day club ever. Oh Come goodness. to the day club. And so there's no space for that in talking about people's sin. Man. There's no space for that in talking about the wrath of God that is poured out because of the sin of man. Like, mm. you know, it, it doesn't, it's not popular, but can I tell you something? Um, it will save people. Yes. People will, if that's the aim now to our chagrin, okay, <laughs> that's not always the aim. Oh right. Lord, let's, can we just for a second, keep it 100. Mm -hmm. It is not always the aim that people get saved in our congregations. Oh, we say that, but the aim is just for them to come. Mm. We want a big space filled with a lot of bodies. Do mm. we want them saved? I mean, that'd be nice. We don't, I mean, who expressly wants wow. people to perish, but you know what we really want is just get them here. Just get them here. Oh man. And, and, and we can take our time with the truth. No, we can't. This is urgent, right? This is something we need to press into. So wow. anyway, all right. The fourth way uh, forward, uh, Pastor Piper says, is for pastors to exalt Christ in his majesty and lowliness and in suffering and resurrection and in the unimaginable riches of what he purchased for us. Notice that the focus is on the word of God, the character of God, the person of Christ so far. So, so notice that the way forward is taking our eyes off of us and taking our eyes off of what we desire and what makes us feel comfortable. Notice it's all about heaven. It's mm. upward. You know yeah. what I mean? Amen. Beyond us. Yeah. And uh, the only time is from what he's saying is the consideration of us is like, <laughs> man, we need to understand that if we're not in Christ, the wrath of God is poured out upon us. Wretched. You know, so we better make a decision, you know, right here and right now, you know, to, to change that Amen. as he's drawing our hearts. And so, yeah, definitely the focus is on, on Jesus, on Christ, on the word of God. Those things will recalibrate the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the final way forward, um, Pastor Piper says, is for pastors to, quote, teach your people the miracle of their own conversion. Adding that clergy must teach our people that they are supernatural beings. You're a miracle, he continued. This is not a moment of gathering for natural people. Wow. Our faith, That's... which is our life, is a miracle. God created it. Amen. I, I think that is a great hmm. point uh, that should be expressed because I don't know if we communicate that in that way enough. Mm -hmm. That this is a miracle yeah. that you are here born again amen like you know because again miracles are seen as like oh man you know uh the the, the earth opened up that, yeah that's a miracle <laughs> yes you know but it's a miracle that the will of a man has been changed oh, to, to point towards man. god to, to to want god to you know to be like man god i need you mm -hmm. you know that's a miracle and so i think communicating that more and more where we can understand what you know people can understand like man this is that you are a spiritual being that you know man this is a miracle that has taken place and will cause a recalibration of the 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 bigness and the awe of God, like and what He's done. Man, for that's us, exactly you know? right, and and I think that ought to be the aim. That ought to be the aim. I want to read this one last piece from the article here. Um, Pastor Piper says, may I venture to say that preaching like this will over time create in your people an eagerness for encountering God in his word in a way that will make coffee sipping seem out of place. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, truly, truly. Yeah. Right. Like if, if you think about wow. what the coffee sipping says, yeah. the, listen, I love coffee. <laughs> I love coffee. It is not about coffee in the sanctuary. 
It is about the heart that is behind the casual, just sort of like we're all here to have a good time feel. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's reflected. That can be reflected if you don't allow coffee mm-hmm. in the sanctuary. Yeah. By the yeah, way, definitely. so it's not the actions, right? It's the condition, the condition of the heart. It's the it's the attitude of the heart. What have we gathered for? You know, when I was growing up, and man, I sound like one of those people, but <laughs> look, I'm I'm next month forty five. So That's not old. I'm one of those people. Okay, when I was when I was growing up, um, man, we 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 showed care in movement in the church when the word of God was being taught. Oh yeah. Like there was a reverence for the word of God being, oh my goodness. Like, and you, you learned, and, and I grew up, I didn't, I didn't have children's church or anything like that. We had Sunday school in the morning, but then everybody. So it was family style worship, family Mm. style service. And so there we were, you know, and I grew up in our church services were long, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and I remember, you know, we would be hungry. It's like, oh, how much longer, you know? And so you'd be handed a peppermint and we better not hear you sucking on that peppermint. (laughs) Some of my, some of my funniest and yet most frightening memories are of my brother who just couldn't get it right. Do you remember? So we had these peppermints that were like, they looked like these big pillows. Like they were, you could break it in half. I don't know. Anyway, they looked like bows, but they were big peppermints. And, for some reason, these were always in church, but um, they weren't the soft mints today that could could have kept us out of trouble. They were the big peppermints. And as a little kid, you know, my mom would break those peppermints in half and then she would pass each of us one, like, you know, breaking up the peppermints and all that. And bless my brother's heart, but he just could not figure out how not to... <laughs> have his peppermint loudly. Like, you know, you just let it dissolve in your mouth, brother, let it dissolve. But he would, he would, he would get in trouble because he would be like, and my mom, man, that mom look of like, stop it right now. Stop it right now. And when, and, and he would just like, like couldn't, couldn't get it together. And I remember, I remember the threat was always, I'm going to take you outside. And we were in like a one room church growing up. Mm -hmm. And so literally, literally it was, I'm going to take you outside. Mm -hmm. No foyer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You open the door, the back of the church, the sunlight comes in. (laughs) You are missing out because you didn't experience that in your life. Okay. But you open the door, the sunlight breaks in, boom, every you outside, then you're in outside, then you're in. And, and, and sure enough, I remember, you know, one Sunday brother just couldn't get it together. Mm. And mom was like, that's it. And, 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 and it's bad because now she has to disrupt the service because you're disrupting the service. Mm. But you know what I took away from that? And, and it has gone all the way into my adult life. Man, try not to move. <laughs> pick, pick the seat that you're going to be in. Now, this has really challenged me, you know, with, with our kids and yeah. the way we, we do service because, right. ah! because, you know, but it's funny though, because that can shape, uh, it, sometimes it can shape a negative th- thought too. It's like, man, in church, I couldn't move. I trust move. the Lord. I trust the Lord. No. <laughs> like, man, it was so like, I, I could, trust I can't. Jesus. I, I trust couldn't even Jesus. eat a peppermint. Like, Mm-mm. ah. You I, feel know, like like, Mac, I feel like Mac Powell. 
<laughs> I trust in Jesus, my great deliverer. Oh man! No, I don't. I mean, but go ahead. You were gonna no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just being funny. I mean, because I had some of those same experiences. Like you couldn't get up and walk out of the go to go use the restroom without putting your finger up and, and letting everybody just know. Saying, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. You know what like, you were saying? No, I'm not saying we need to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just some of those things get etched in your mind because it's like, whoa, it, it, it's those things sh- shake. <laughs> How you think, you know? <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about like, that seems so foolish to say that that's what we did. But can I tell you though, you learn that, man, you, you learn that as too. a kid, <laughs> that if anybody's getting up and moving, you're just saying. <laughs> Imagine like everybody did it too. It's like, excuse me, excuse <laughs> me. Man, like, I'm sorry. Anyway, the statement though. But the heart of it was reverence. It was reverence. <laughs> you know, it was excuse yeah. me, I have to get up, and I'm sorry that I have to get up. <laughs> I almost feel like that li- lifting up that pointer finger was just to say, "Don't stone me." Uh, right. I gotta go to the bathroom. Uh, uh, you know. Okay. Yes, I'll be right got- back. Anyway, listen. There, there was a reverence yeah. that is not in church definitely, today. Definitely. You know, um, from just getting up if you don't have to. Now, look. Of course, things become necessary. <laughs> People have to go to the bathroom. Of course, you better hold it. <laughs> Clean, up Clean up on aisle six. Clean up on aisle six. I just will say though, I think the point that Pastor Piper is making, and I think yeah. it's so important, is that man, God is worthy. You know, we should, we should revere him. There should be a right fear of, of the holiness of God. When we gather together, there should be a reverence that we want, not a reverence that we have to have. Mm -hmm. There should be a reverence of like, man, I, I I want, and we try to instill this in our children. We'll say, listen, if you can watch a movie. Come on. (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Notice, notice how a person's like. Like hesitation to get up during a movie doesn't, miss. doesn't like... create like a negative childhood experience. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, we had to sit in the theater and, and we couldn't get up for couldn't... two hours. <laughs> Notice that you oh, you will man. really have cleanup on row seven <laughs> because the kid will not say that he or she has to go because oh, they don't want to miss it. They don't want to miss it. <laughs> now, look, I understand that those are children, but some adults are like that too. Some mm. adults get mad at their bladders because they have to go to the bathroom <laughs> during a movie. They're like, man, which they get those belly busters, those bladder <laughs> right. bladder buster drinks. Right, right. Anyway, I've gone off the rails. <laughs> Let me say this. If if we can have a reverence for screenwriting, yeah. if we can have a reverence for movie directing. And what what do I mean when I say a reverence? I mean that we don't want to miss it. Mm. We don't want to miss mm. it. Man, I think we can have a reverence for God's word Amen. that Amen. we can sit and that we can listen and that we can be dialed in to hear what the Lord is saying to his church. God yeah. is speaking to his church, right? Yeah. And so anyway, I just think there should be the right holy expectation of that. Amen. 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 All right. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. Wait.